Welcome back. Come along as we dig into God's Word and search for truth, understanding, and a closer relationship with Him. This is Steve, and you're listening to the Dig Bible Podcast Corner. Today we're going to look a little bit at testimony. What's your testimony? And, and how should we you know, use our testimony? God puts us in some positions that are difficult. The sin of the world puts us in some positions that are difficult, all to help us grow. But is there more to it? Is there a meaning behind this? I think Paul is the best example of this in the Bible. I mean, there's many different examples where people, but uh, we're going to talk about Paul mostly because I just think of Acts especially as, as um, the way that Tom Dunn explained it one time is that it's a, a map of how we should live our lives. It truly is, you know, everything that happened after Jesus' death and the, the initial parts of the Great Commission and, and that is supposed to still be going on with us as the church today. So I think it's important um, that we look at how Paul uses his testimony, what that says to us, what's your testimony, and how are we supposed to use that? So Paul, in Acts 9, is this is when this initially happens, what Paul's actual conversion. And Acts 9, 1 through 16, it says, But Saul was still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate or drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Lord, here I am. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias might come and lay his hands on him so he may regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord. I have heard from many about this man and how evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, 
The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized, and taking food, he was strengthened. Wow. You think about this. You know, when we were, you know, all converted, you know, we say at one time or another, some of us are raised in the church, you know, we're there, but we definitely have a day when all of a sudden it clicks or it makes sense for us or, or you know, we have that aha moment to some degree um, where in some of us it's a much more, you know, of a lightning strike where something similar to that of Paul, maybe not to the same level, but we have something that smacks us in the face and says, boom, boom, like <laughs> this is God. And he's, he's talking to me. He's standing at the door and knocking. And this time he's pounding on the door. Sometimes that happens, but we all have to know that we all have different struggles in life and different things that happen to us. And these things are meant to strengthen us. These things are meant to bring us closer to God, knowing that we can't make it without him. But what happens is when you get over one of these circumstances, one of these things that these struggles, these trials that are put in your life, that after that, you can help somebody else who has gone through the same struggle, the same trial, or who's currently going through it. And you can speak to them in a way that somebody who hasn't been through that struggle can. If, if I, for example, a great example is, um, say, someone who has been a, 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 an addict, um, say, meth or, say, uh, uh, heroin or something of this nature. I mean, it doesn't have to be that dramatic, but someone who's an addict, even an alcoholic or something of this nature, if I haven't experienced that and I go and tell somebody you shouldn't do this, they're going to look at me like, you don't know what this is like. You don't understand. However, if I've been through that exact thing and I tell you that, you're going to look at me in, in a different way and understand that I do know where you are. I do know what you're going through. I've been there. So important to have that relationship and those trials and those struggles that you've been through in your life because you can use those not to have pity on yourself but you can use those to help other people who are struggling at the same time that's it's just it's a in the end you have to look at those things our trials and tribulations the fact that we get to suffer in god's name as a gift because those things only make us stronger and make us so we're able to help the people around us I'm going to go on to the next part. There's two, there's three different parts where you hear directly. And I guarantee he used this a lot more than just these three times that he talked about his actual testimony. But in Acts 22, um, well, actually it's the end of Acts 21, but he's arrested. Paul's arrested. And in Acts 22, he turns and he starts talking to the people in Hebrew. And they were they were kind of surprised, but they quieted down and actually listened to him because he's talking in their native tongue. So he says, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are this day. 
I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear me witness. From them I received letters to the brothers and journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and I drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, Rise up and go into Damascus, and there you'll be told all that is appointed for you to do. Since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were there with me and came into Damascus. Again, we see Paul's testimony used to explain why he believes what he believes now. He uses it to connect to the people. He uses it as his, his, this is how we lead in. This is how we say, this is the, the, the first Peter three fifteen. This is the reason for the hope that I have. And he uses that to steer a conversation in the way that, that people will listen. People will understand, listen, this is what he's been through. And if he can go from being a murderer of Christians, of people who followed the way to all of a sudden being one of the biggest advocates for the way. What does that say? Like, how does that, that's unbelievable, that shift, that change, that he can use that as a, a device to bring across his faith and, and the change that God's made in his life. That's such a powerful image. Uh, image. It's such a powerful way to, to reach out towards people. Now, the last time that we see this, is in Acts 26, uh, 12 through 18, we see Paul in front of King Agrippa. And he says, In this connection I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and the commission of the chief priests. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But the rise and stand upon your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by me in faith. Again, his testimony. What happened to him? A light so bright that he couldn't see. The voice of God talking to him. That's just powerful. I mean, if only we all had that, it would be amazing. But God uses us in different ways and speaks to us in different ways because we all have a different mission. 
really important to understand that. There are the Billy Grahams of this world, and those people are going to reach millions of people, but that person that Billy Graham can't reach, that one person, that might be the one person you're meant to reach with your testimony, with your witness. And that person that Billy Graham or, or any of these great other speakers or any, they won't be able to get through to them. But guess what? Because you've been through a similar uh, struggle, a similar trial, a similar life-changing experience, you will get through to that person. You will be the, the, the farmer that God uses to sow that seed. We don't convert people. God does. But we plant that seed. God wants us to go out and, and plant the seeds so that they look for him, that, that seed of God in their heart, so that they come around and turn back to God. They come back to God and find the faith that we have, the hope that we have for, for everlasting life. I think about all the hard things that people go through in life. I see, I see death and dying. I see addiction struggles. I see just marriage struggles. I see so many different things that are in, in front of us every day. Sin is deeply rooted in this world, and, and on a daily basis, it continues to get worse. And we know this is going to happen. You know, it says it, it's going to happen. It says uh, in the end, it will be just as the days of Noah. So we know that the world's going to be so evil, and so many things are going to be so bad, uh, that there, there's just going to be... It's, it's, we know things are going to get worse. Let's put it that way. We know things are going to get worse. But right now, especially, this is, this is the, the game clock, right? The, 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 the shot clock's counting down. We're in the last few seconds, the way I see it. And I, I could be wrong. The world could last another thousand years. But when we start looking at Revelation and we start looking at the signs of the times, I believe that we're close. I think that the shot clock is counting down. I think that we're at the end, and, and right now more than ever, not that it should have ever been a question, but right now more than ever, who do we need to reach? Who needs God? Everybody needs God. But who right now is in your life that you can reach out and, and make sure? Because what happens if the world ended tomorrow? Is there somebody that's been on your heart for a while that you said, I really need to talk to them? What if their salvation depended on the fact that God's been pushing you to reach out to them and the world ended tomorrow and we hadn't done what we wanted to do that to, to, to reach out to that person, to try to bring them into the fold? I don't know. I like to think that maybe there's multiple people trying to reach that one and that person will still be saved, but I don't know. I know I've missed so many opportunities in my life. And I know that God continues to give me opportunities, so he knows He knows that I'm still trying. I'm still a sinner, but I'm still trying. And that leads me up to my testimony. And I've brought this up before, if you guys have listened to the show before, but when I was a kid, I was a thief I was a liar. I stole everything I could. I was, I was a bad kid. It was for the rush. You just, I, I don't know. I was empty. Um, 
about 14, 15 years old, I was a, just an absolute terrible, the worst kid that, um, out of anybody I know, I don't know anybody who was like me. Let's put it that way. And I did everything I could to try to stray away. And I had great Christian parents, phenomenal Christian parents. And I did everything I could to be exactly the opposite. They did everything they could. But the world had me. Sin had me. I wanted to be, and I don't know why I can't explain it, other than the fact that there was so much anger and hatred in me. So much anger and hatred for everything. There was, I didn't have a conscience. I didn't have a care. I didn't care who I hurt. And I know I've said some things. I've hurt some people along the way. And the worst part is, you know, we can all sit back and look at things that we've done or, or, or I'm sorry, things that people have done to us or things people have said to us that 20 years ago that still eat at us today. We know that. We can feel that. And that person, they said it in a passing moment and they never thought twice about it, but it still affects us today. This is how we're supposed to live, you know, the way that God wants us to live so that these things that, that we mirror Jesus the most that we can. So those things that people have that stick with them for 20 years, those are the positive things, not the negative things. But I know I hurt people along the way. I know I did. And I'm sorry to every single one of them. And there's people that I will never know that I hurt. And I am sorry more than I could ever say. But I know God's forgiven me for the things I've done. I know he has. I've felt it. But the crazy thing in my circumstance, and I don't know who needs to hear it. And that's the same thing with any of our testimony. I don't need, know who needs to hear it, but it needs to be said so that people, when they hear it, they'll be like, wow. You know, if God can work in his life, why can't he work in mine? And he can, and he will. But for me, I was in high school and I went to a Lutheran high school and uh, my dad was actually a teacher there. And um, this Lutheran high school, about once every four years, would do a mission trip. And I wanted nothing to do with any of those things. As a matter of fact, I was the kid that tried to do everything as bad as I, I, I fought teachers I, I would do everything deliberately wrong as possible. I, I mean, as possible. Um, and my parents still loved me. And they still always showed me that, even though I did the exact opposite. But my dad made me fill out an application to go on this mission trip. And I knew they wouldn't choose me because I was the kid at school that was as far from a missionary as you could possibly imagine. And when we did this, we filled it out and um, turned it in. And, and then uh, they started going through and doing interviews, I don't know, a week or two later. And they gave me an interview, which I was kind of surprised about. And I go in and it's the pastor that runs our school, uh, like religion department, and he's doing the interviews. And I sit down and he looks at me. He goes, you know, I don't like you. I looked at him and I said, I don't like you either. And he goes, 
but you're going. I said, what? He said, you're going. We don't have enough guys. Huh. I didn't know what to say. I leave. I walk out. The next day in chapel, uh, which we had to go to, it's like, I don't know, it was after a third period or something. They announced all the people who were going on that. And when they said my name, I think everybody went stone cold silent. Because they're like, what in the heck? What business does he have going on a mission trip? What This kid is the last person that should ever go and tell somebody about God because he's as far from God as you can possibly be. So we go through about six months where we have to go to these trainings and they teach us a little bit of the language and they um, customs and just other things along those lines. And, and at first I'm like, I'm going to find a way to get out of this. They're not going to really, this isn't going to really happen because they know who I am. They know what I'm like. The, I'd say after maybe, I don't know, a couple weeks, a month, I started thinking, well, maybe I'll go just because I don't know if I'll ever get to go to another country again. At least that experience would be really cool. You know, I don't really care about the whole missionary thing. I really don't care about God. I don't care about telling anybody about Jesus. I just don't care. But you know what? It's a free, well, not free. We had to fundraise, and I know my parents paid some money for it too. But to me as a kid, a young kid who didn't care about how my actions affected people around me, I thought of it as a free trip to a different country. So we go through all this and we get to the point where um, we're, we're, we're going and we get on the plane and we go from, I think it was Detroit to Chicago and Chicago to San Francisco and we're in San Francisco and there's a six hour layover. And I'm going to have to go back at some point. I tried to look this up and I couldn't find anything on it, but um, the it was pretty crazy how everything panned out there was a a voice comes over the intercom and says and calls our flight and it says that flight has been moved forward due to a higher power so we get on the plane two hours early due to a higher power take off and land in hong kong like i think it's 18 hours later it was the longest commercial flight you could take at that time and pull in, and the runway is real unique because it ends right at the ocean. Small, you know, you're landed on Hong Kong. Uh, half of it's an island, half of it's attached to the mainland of China. But we land right at the ocean. Then we get out, and we go inside, and we get our bags, and we go back to this, like, YMCA place that we're staying at. And this place we're staying at is low-key. It's got... A couple of bunks in each room and a fan on the wall, no AC or anything like that. And my gosh, the air over there was humid as could be. And, I mean, you sweat standing there. But it, uh, it, was, it was all we needed. But we went and we sat down and we turned the TV on and we're looking for a channel um, that spoke English. And there at that time, this is the year before China went back, or I'm sorry, before... Great Britain's lease of Hong Kong went back to China. It was 90, 
six. I think it went back in July 1st, 97. So it was 96 we were there. And uh, turn the TV on, find an English-speaking station. So, I mean, the stations were all sorts of different languages. We met people that spoke every different language there with that being one of the biggest business hubs of the world. So we turn on one and we find this English-speaking station and they're talking about the flight that was supposed to arrive at our time. And it had gone off the end of the runway and 36 people had died. Now, I haven't been able to find that information. I looked for it to, to, to prove that validity of that. But I can't understand. The flights move forward due to a higher power two hours and then we get there and then two hours in we're look, watching the news and an airplane had gone off the end of that runway and people had died. Regardless, it could have been our plane just as easy. You know, the first f four or five days we're there, they bring in a bus full of, uh, of Chinese kids that to stay with us and they kind of group us out and they called them families, but they grouped us out and gave us about four kids to each of us that were about the same age. So I had, I think, four uh, Chinese boys about my age and we were all the, you know, they come and, and they, they were set up as a group with you and you had an adult with you and, and, you know, you went and we did stuff all over the city kind of just looking at things and, you know, supposedly witnessing to these people. Um, these kids would ask me, and they were just so hungry to learn about God. So hungry. They asked me question after question after question, and I'm just feeding them what I have heard at Sunday school for my entire life. Just feeding it to them. And I, and they're just like, that's amazing. That's unbelievable. That's, oh my gosh, God's unreal. And I'm sitting there going, yep, sure, whatever. So God is using me even when I didn't want to be used, when I was trying to avoid it. And little did I know that later on this mission trip for me, I mean, this whole thing affected a bunch of people, but for me, God sent me over there to save my soul. We went into China for a bit and saw some... Southern China was just awful. It was terrible, the poverty, the things that people are going through. It was awful felt terrible took we did a lot of things for uh taking food to people and 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 I just the the level of of awful things drugs and prostitution and things in that country were just unbelievable we were only there for 2 3 days and then we came back and we um before we left the kids um that had been with us at the beginning of the week came back and hung out with us again but most of them had, to, a lot of them didn't come back because they, they were studying for a test. And this test was like their end of high school test. It was the test. And this test determines what you're basically going to do with the rest of your life. Um, and that, so, I mean, you, you had to do pretty well. If you're a bad test taker, you, you, <laughs> that could affect your the rest of your life, just that one test. So the one kid that I had gotten closest to... Um, and they had given them all all different American names so we could pronounce their names. And, and we went through, and I, his name was Daniel. And I had talked to this 
kid a few times, you know, I, obviously beforehand, and he was one of the ones asking me all those questions, all those questions, and we had gotten to be a little bit, you know, buddy-buddy. But when he didn't show back up when, they were, when all the other kids did, and he sent a note with one of the other kids. And that note was said, thank you for coming. It's been amazing to meet you. And because of you and your testimony, your witness, I know I'm going to heaven. I have a relationship with Jesus now. Whoa. I broke down. It hit me so hard. I might as well have been Paul on the street. It smacked me in the face so hard, as only God can do. <laughs> and my life was instantly changed. Instantly. Now, we came home. I remember coming home and... Um, I remember coming home and hugging my mom, who I had not really had a great relationship with on my end. She continued to love me as always. and But I hugged my mom, and I remember her just breaking down because she knew. She could feel it. She could see it. Everything had changed. And that's what we want. We want God to exude off us. We don't want evil to exude off us. We want God to exude off us. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That change changed me in so many ways. I got a conscience all of a sudden, and I felt like the world was caving in on me because I'm like, I looked back and said, I did all these things wrong. I hurt my family. I hurt these people. I hurt those people. I said these things. I did this. I did that. And I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed for forgiveness. And God forgave me. I, and I could hear him forgive me. I could feel him forgiving me. But at the same time, he said, I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to take all this that you've had in your past, and I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to help change someone's life by using you as an example. And that's why we pray. We want God. We want to be a mouthpiece for God. We can't save people. God saves people. But our witness plants that seed. This is what I'm talking about when I said, in your life, you have had trials. You have had struggles. Some things are very simple. Some things are so hard that you don't know how you're going to go on. And to each person, some of those things are different. Some people handle financial struggles really easy. Other ones, it's the end of the world. Some people handle, um, you know, addiction and things like that. Just Some people can just drop stuff and walk away. Other people, they live with that and it just eats them alive forever. But you know what? If you've gotten through it, whatever it is, just know that something that was a struggle to you, a trial to you, something that ate you alive... Just know that you've gotten through it because, and because of God, because God's helped you through that. 
know that somebody else is going through that exact thing right now. How can you help that person? How can you help that group of people? How can you change their life? Remember how bad it felt? How can you help them in the name of God release that? How can you help them through that? Everything in our life is surrounded by sin. We have a sinful nature. We have just mountains of things that we've done, said, been around, been part of. And I don't care who you are out there. You could be the one that's been in church since you were you know, six months old and feel like you've been as good as you possibly can be. We're all sinners. I don't care. And you could be the worst of the worst, stealing everything, hurting people, whatever. You could be a murderer on death row right now. It doesn't matter. We're all sinners and we all need God. And Jesus didn't die just for one of us. He died for all of us. He can change your life. He will change your life if you invite him in. But use your testimony. Somebody else out there needs to hear it. Somebody else out there needs to understand they're not alone. They haven't been, they're not the only one going through this or that has gone through this. Use your testimony. I pray that you all will use your testimony. Keep on digging, everybody.